We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol Podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. I'm Ben. I almost forgot that part. And tonight we're looking at the Space 1999 episode, The Beta Cloud, which goes something like this. 1503 minus seven days after leaving Earth's orbit, a mysterious cloud appears near Alpha. Shortly thereafter, pretty much everyone on Alpha passes out with a mysterious illness. Tony, Maya, Sandra, Helena, and Frazier, and three security guards, pretty much have the run of the base to themselves. After several days, their probe eagle returns with a hideous creature on board, which starts its rampage by killing the three security guards. The cloud speaks to Tony. We need your life support, doohickey, to survive. So we've sent for it. But, but we need it too, says Tony. We know. So sorry, but best if you all just die peaceably. They try everything. Lasers, rockets, vacuum, chlorine, deadly anesthetics, and electricity. Nothing works. Till they realize it's robot, and Maya turns into a bug and blows his brain. The cloud disappears, and everyone returns to health. The beta cloud. Now, this is one I remember being as absolutely direly awful, and I kind of enjoyed it. <laughs> Are you kidding me? No, I'm not. I actually kind of enjoyed it. I'm not saying it was good. And it's not like I enjoyed it because it was so bad. It was just, it was really nice seeing John Koenig shut up. Yeah. <laughs> right? Okay. But I have some issues with how Tony comported himself during the episode. But it's, it's not like in the... It's not like in the one with a fiery guy, I think in the catacombs, where Tony still didn't exactly do anything. He, you know, he was doing stuff. He, he was he was working. He was taking over the base, and then and some. And I'm guessing you probably did not like this episode. Well, let me just say this is 51 minutes of my life I'm never getting back. Well, that's that's true of every 51 minutes, but <laughs> like, but yes, I I yeah, it was. I guess it was just uh, I'm not I'm not putting great I'm not putting great store by this episode. It just was vaguely amusing to me on the way. Uh, anyway, so the, the beta cloud. I do have some things to to bring out, and I guess the one that is a contradictory to what I just said was you know Tony does stuff in this, and I like Tony, and I don't know why I like Tony. I mean, because he's not John. Well, I think maybe, you know, maybe that's partly it. Maybe, I, I that's a good question. He just seems more like a human being than John Koenig does. Admittedly, a 14-year-old human being at times, but, mm. but more like a human being at times. But what I could not understand and was driving me nuts, and this was my biggest complaint, Helena, you've got to wake John up. I have to talk to him. Well, well, wake him up, Helena. I can't. He's sedated. Well, I've He's got sedated. to talk to I him. I gotta talk to him. Oh, why? yeah. Why? Um, why? You, you, Tony, you've been, you've been, you've had the ability to make decisions in the past. Why can't you make one this time? Well, let me talk to Helen then. Why? It's like, what? Well, what was the point of that? I, I'm not even sure what he was supposed to try to get from him. You know, he wanted them to tell him what to what do. To do, I. 
I kind of feel like that. Uh, but I guess there's two stages of that. I mean, Tony does seem to be able to take charge, and he does seem to be able to do things, and then suddenly he would stop in the middle of it and go, maybe I should check with John. And that was really bizarre. And because John really wasn't talking back to him much, it doesn't feel like it was contractual obligation either. Because Koenig was up trying to do stuff other times, but not when he was talking with Tony. I, I don't really, I don't really understand that part of the story. And there's another scene that goes along with that. So Koenig is up for a little while. He's mm-hmm. they're trapped in sick bay. Um, he tries to use his com lock to get out the door. Ah! We had our comment about people using com locks. Yeah. He actually tried to use his comma, and it doesn't work. And you know, he says, well, Tony must have had to do that, so that's all right then. Well, uh, oh, I think I'm going to pass out again. Alan, you're in charge. What? Mm. Tony's in charge. Right. <laughs> it's like, Alan is trapped in the freaking sick bay with you. Why are you saying, Alan? I mean, talk about absolute lack of faith in tony (laughs) alan you're in charge of sick bay boss these people around like i would that was my that was my bugbear about this episode that that was the that was the real the real one that kept bugging me as the episode Mm -hmm. uh, bared on it's like i've got to talk to john i'm too stupid to make my own decisions all right well i guess i'll make a decision then all right lock the doors and and then the other quiet thing is that i'll observe since we mentioned the com lock is that tony never uses the com lock throughout the episode. He just keeps saying open Open. and close. Yeah. Well, because everything's on his voice command now. You think you'd have to do that through the com lock too? Or why not just say, hey, only open and close the door on my com lock? (laughs) I'm thinking that he had to say open and close because each one of those counted towards a line for his contractual obligation. Hmm. He's like, I didn't get any episodes and lines in the last episode, so I feel like I should get more. All right, all right, Tony, here's what you're going to get. 75 opens and 75 closes. We're done there, all right? You've been doing your Shakespeare? Let's see how you can give that some some feeling, all right? Uh, That was, that was, uh, um, good things. The alien comes to the, the ship, uh, comes to moon base they get on board the eagle the alien comes out and what does tony try to do he wants to talk to it doesn't he he tries talking to it yeah like a reasonable being like a completely reasonable commander not i think we should shoot it just in case which is what i feel like Tony would have done uh actually i think you're right because if i remember correctly i had that same thought when i watched this over the weekend that uh this it struck me too that tony was willing to take that first step and have uh, you know, a try to establish a dialogue. And I kept thinking, I, I seem to remember thinking that John just wouldn't do that. You think he should, but I, well, yeah. I have this feeling that no, he probably, he probably, and, and the other thing is, is that Tony is not the one that initiated the weapons fire. I mean, he, yes, he was warning the creature off, but the security guard fired on his own at that point. So, um, points to Tony and, and, but a complete and absolute failure. Um, I feel like this was supposed to be a Maya Light episode and yet she was in it quite a lot. Very heavily. Yeah. Yeah. I thought this was, I thought this was in production block with, um, 
of the the last one we watched. Mm-hmm. See, uh, seed of destruction. Uh, I think no. so. Seed, seeds, seeds of d- doom. Seeds of no, destruction. seed of destruction. Seeds of destruction. Yeah, yeah, that was. Oh yeah, maybe it was. That would make more sense because Maya was locked away a lot of the time. I I don't know. Um, I wish I had that information as to the production block, but it, it was an odd combination there for a while. I felt like Maya was going to be sidelined, and then suddenly, halfway through the episode, she's suddenly very heavily invested, and maybe that's just how their their production schedule worked. Um, but um, it was it was good to see Tony and Maya doing stuff, but. Towards it, the end, I—I oh, I was just thinking, it—it—it uh, it, it felt like all the wrong stuff, and Maya, instead of being the science officer that she is, mm. or that she's supposed to be, most of the time she was. But Tony, we can't stop it. And I was just going to say, she did basically go into a hysterics fit towards the end. Nothing we can yeah. do can stop it. And it's like, is that really in character? It didn't, it didn't, it didn't seem that way to no, me. No, it didn't. No, it didn't. Absolutely not. And that... <sighs> and I don't know what it was in aid of. Because it really, Tony wasn't quite the big damn hero in it either. So, you know, the teamwork of the two of them and, and accomplishing it, it just, it just wasn't... It wasn't needed. Um, no. Oh, yeah, speaking of Tony's command decisions, A, one, why is there a vacuum chamber on a moon base? <laughs> but okay, okay, there's a vacuum chamber, and it's very brightly lit for some reason. Why did he trap the creature in it and then, hey, and then let it out? That's problem solved. I must have killed it and let it out. Well, it did, he assumed that it needed air. But even if he didn't assume that it needed... I mean, okay, he, obviously he assumed that he'd killed it. What was the point of opening it up? Well, here's the question. Uh, I would be inclined to think that if you've got a vacuum chamber that, well, okay, well, why? Again, I agree with you, why have a vacuum chamber? Okay, but fine, it's there. Uh, if you were to have one, obviously it is designed to put things in there to... So they can experience clean them up, vacuum well, them up. Well, clean them up, but but a, uh, you know, experience you know a, a, a total vacuum environment. Um, I would be inclined to think that there's got to be some kind of instruments or some kind of way to monitor what's going on there. At least oh, there's a, a freaking, <laughs> or at least you know a little you know a little uh, window by which you can look in and see what's camera. going on in there. Yeah, camera, something. Yes, that makes perfect sense. Monitoring equipment. It just, it was... And there's none of that. It was lazy. It was very lazy writing. It was a cool oh, set. Yeah. I think it was leftover door from the, the nuclear reactor. I think you're right. And I think the other, the other part about it that I liked, I mean, I thought, hey, that's a pretty hefty door. That's the single most hefty door you've got on Alpha except well, outside of the nuclear reactor. I think I'd leave him in it till everyone was back on... Uh, back, you know, yeah. Well, healthy. If you, if you, I mean, if, if he burst knew. out, that'd be different, but... I mean, if you were able to tell that, you know, that critter is still, you know, quite alive, then heck yeah, I, I would not open that door. I'm not sure that if I could look in there and it had fallen down on the floor, that given that there's only five people on Moonbase, I don't know that I'd have opened that door. I would. I, I, I think it was a good. I think I would have kept the door closed. I think it's just a. You know, we we didn't put it somewhere. 
why don't we just leave it in there until I get a team of scientists that can take a look at it? Yeah. Obviously, all it had to do was to break out because it was super strong, and, and that would have been easy for them to do. But instead, they just made Tony look like an idiot in that. It's like, everything's under control. Everyone's, oh, great. Okay, it's under control. Now I'll just open the door again. No. <clears throat> and, yeah, that was actually... <laughs> that was another stupid one on Tony's part. Uh, not his stupidest. I'm saving that one for later. Oh. Um, <laughs> um, now, we had this conversation once before, and I, I think we can have it now. How the heck does Maya do what she does? She remembers, she sees it, she remembers it. She, ha- she has to visualize it. Okay, but we... Be- because I remember when uh, the first time she tried to turn into that chlorine-breathing uh, creature uh, from you know so many weeks back, she kept saying how she needed to remember what it was. Right. Okay. Right, right, she did. And we've had the question of how, you know, what, what is it when Maya turns into a tiger, are the, are the organs inside the tiger a tiger's organs? Are they Maya's organs? Does, tiger's organs. Does, does it have to look? It's it's the alien's organs. So how would she? I mean, she obviously can't remember that. So she must have some sort of sense, and and we get that from this episode that there is some, there is some biological sense that she has, that, for want of a better word, scans, the thing, and allows her to, to take its form. Now. Okay, so therefore that chlorine breather that she had to cough up, she had to call back from sort of memory? Yeah. But, she had to remember but I think it. it's subconscious memory because I don't think I don't think she knows what How do I put this? She couldn't tell this thing wasn't real. No, not until later, much later on. She didn't she all she, she knew she, she reasoned could. that out. Yeah, she reasoned it out. All she could figure out is she couldn't turn into it. And she didn't understand why at first. Which means she doesn't understand the nature of the thing that she's scanning. It's it's a it's a um, it's an instinctive thing that she's drawing on. It's some sort of a it's a non cognitive process. It's a it's a, a another biological process because she's not scanning the creature. She isn't like oh that's a robot or that's got three kidneys or anything like that she's somehow sort of intuiting it if you will and in this case she can't intuit and she can't put two and two together that that makes it not biological okay you know maybe 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 that does make sense but it goes back to how the hell did maya turn into a tiger then having never seen a tiger how, how did she turn into a dog? She's never seen an earth dog. These are creatures that she somehow learned to mimic without ever coming in contact with them like she did. She was able to creature. turn into uh, uh, Dr. Hyde. Yes, and Dr. Hyde, too. Who's a fictional character in a book. And, and yet, she was able to turn into that. So, is that... Mr. Hyde from Tony's memory? Or is that Mr. Hyde that she read in a book? Uh, good question. Because maybe the tiger or the dog came from from Koenig, the birds, or from the people around her. 
Well, but that's we know him. we know in the very first episode of the second season, we see her as a tiger, and she is in the presence of she she, she hasn't met any. Well, maybe she has. Maybe she has met a few humans that Mentor has captured, but we don't see her interact with any of them. Right. Right, that's right. She is in she is in animal form before the humans get there. I would guess that there have not actually been any humans on Psychum before, but I would other think aliens, you're right. yes. But I would yeah. think you're right. I think the rationalization simply is: if she can see it, she can become it. Oh, wait a minute! Wait a minute! There were the two eagle pilots. There were there were the two eagle pilots that had come down to the planet. Before Koenig and crew came down. Maybe mm. she met them. All right. We're, Maybe. We're pushing our luck here, but I, I don't think they're very consistent on this. But I, I just, I, I was very uncomfortable. That's not quite the right word. But when Maya could look at this creature and have it in her mind, and she can't mimic it. But she can't tell that it's not a thing she can't mimic. So whatever sense she has for duplicating life forms doesn't tell her that she's looking at a life form. And, you know, why couldn't she just turn into it and it just be wrong? Like, oh, it turns out I've got tiger kidneys <laughs> or something. Make like like Mr. Well, Hyde. I would put it this way. Why could she not turn into something that's kind of like it? Because it's a reused costume. Yes, it's a reused costume. I I wanted to I wanted to ask that question. One of our listeners, and forgive me, listener, for uh, not having it right in front of me, ha- has made a uh, uh, point of that Maya has got these sort of go-to alien creatures she's got to. Are these the same every time, or are they subtly different tweaks on the same costume? They're mostly... I think they're subtle tweaks, um, but I think in some cases they're, sus- they're supposed to be the same like the very first time we see her actually successfully change into something, it's some kind of a you know, bipedal lizard thing, which is not the same that we saw her in New Adam, New Eve, but I think it's supposed to be the same. I don't know. Okay. Did she change I, into the sloppy, same... Basically sloppy production. Did she change into the same chlorine breather? Yes. In this episode as she yes, did she in did. the last? Yeah, it, the, that was the same costume. The so I will give them credit for actually having some consistency for once. Wow. <laughs> that's that's hard to believe, but okay. Now, I will say that there, you know, I'm jumping the timeline here. There is a future episode coming up where she will be in that same costume, but it will be colored differently. Well, that's a completely different alien. Different color, right. different gas. And it's not and it's not chlorine breather. Well, that's the difference in color. It's probably uh, oxygen. It is an oxy breather, breather instead yeah. of the, the chlorine. I also noticed this one didn't really start panting like the last one did. It, you know, I had this goofy theory as a kid that she held her breath uh, <laughs> right before she started to turn in, and as she did, she it uh, the air turned into chlorine as well. Ah, well, in her sense. lungs. So therefore, she was able to um, keep it inside of her. She was prepared. Well, do, yeah. Well, do you remember in, in AB Chrysalis when she transforms into the chlorine breath, She almost immediately starts to collapse. Well, because she wasn't. She it was a it, it was a rush. It was a rush mm. transformation. Hmm. Hmm. That was my logic. I'm not saying it's good. In fact, I think it sucks, but there it is. <laughs> well, you know, that's, that's 
it's fine. It's better than their logic. <laughs> I'm sure it's better than their logic. Okay. So Helena has a plan. Oh, she's help got, us all. She's got an anesthetic. It's the most powerful stuff we've got. It's it's sitting right over there on that table, and it's it's too strong to use on humans. Okay, let's accept that for a moment. But let's ask the question. What on a moon base would you need an anesthetic too powerful for humans? And two, why is it sitting on the table? One, it was created the moment they blew out of Earth's orbit. Uh, two, it was sitting on the table because it's Helena. <laughs> I might need that, you know, John. <laughs> He gets a little and then, and, and, oh, yes. Well, no, that would make sense, actually. It's too strong for humans, but not John Koenig. No, of course not. The last man to collapse when everyone starts fainting on the moon base. Do you notice that? Everyone else is like, oh, but John's like, oh, he's fighting it. I can make it. (laughs) Which is probably, you know, hey, it's John. Of course he'd be the last man to fall. It's like Kirk, always the last one to fall when they're, yeah. they're, they're stunned because he's our hero. But let me ask this question. So as he's staggering away, and he's like, he's like, it's the cloud, Helena. It's the cloud. Was that a revelation to anyone on Moonbase? Um, with that crew, yes. Because later in the episode, when they're in Medical Center, Sandra says... Do you think it could be that the commander was right, that it's the cloud? And I'm like, really? <laughs> really? In the vast uh-huh. freaking emptiness of space and a cloud appears outside your base and then suddenly everyone gets sick? I, I realize that that's a logical fall- fallacy that <clears throat> correlation doesn't necessarily cause causation, but but at the same time... I think it's probably the first hypothesis you should work on Mm -hmm. under those circumstances. Or that the sickness is causing the cloud or vice versa. But, you know, the two events have to be. And then half, you know, far through it for half Sandra is like, I don't know, is it going to be possible? It's like, wow, you people are dumb as posts, Mm -hmm. basically. So, yes, I take your point. Maybe it is this crew is not. um, Let's see. What else have I got here? Oh, I've got little things, but um, I like the fact that they have um, they have mouse doorways on the air vents, so that Maya has a place to. Oh, she has a place to crawl through. She has a place to crawl through. That I'm was, glad somebody thought of that when they were designing the moon base. That was, we might have an alien who can change shape. That that I thought that was a very good. That's plan really that forward thinking. It was a very good. What is the point of a grill on an air vent? I don't know. I mean, no, I mean, I, it's, that's a serious question. I mean, I'm talking about in your home. You get grills on air vents. Why do we, I mean, apart from aiming the flow one way or the other, but even even non-moving ones have grills over them. Why is uh, that? <laughs> to prevent large critters from going through? I guess it could be. I, I really don't know. I, I'm, it just, it just, that's what made me think of it. It's like, you know, I've seen grills that are like wire cover, and I've seen the grills that are, you know, like in your, uh, your office where it's got, it goes four different directions and a roof thing and everything. They've all got grills on them, and it just never really occurred to me. Why, why do we have grills on them? And if it is to keep critters out, then 
alphas fail <laughs> spectacularly because they've got a special built-in critter door mm. for them. Um, the only thing that Tony does that seems to bother the creature is sound, but it they turn it off. Why? Is it because everyone in sick bay is hopping up going, it's the red alert, I've got to do something, and, and no one can figure out that Tony turned it on? I, I, You know, that seemed to have stopped the creature in his tracks there for a while, and let him go. I don't have an answer for that. <laughs> I didn't think you would have an answer I mean, for I it. Seriously I seriously don't. I mean, there <clears throat> are things here in this episode that just... Defy description, and as I was watching it, and again, the, you know, to 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 serve as um, a counterpart to your initial analysis, this was an episode that I liked when I first saw it, and when I watched it today, or not today, but uh, over the weekend, I was just aghast at how unbelievably bad it is. But it's not it's not in seed of destruction category. Would you say? Oh, uh, no, that one... no, no, it's not. No. I wouldn't put it that badly. This one just hasn't got much to it. But it's just dumb. And and it's it's weak. It's and weak. It's lazy. Uh, yes, it's weak and it's lazy and I will absolutely go along with that because it is really just running around corridors. Yeah. And and trying to stop, you know, it's a series of trying to stop the creature. And apart and, you know, and, from and and again, you know, because of Maya, I understand that you know, the writers don't necessarily want to turn her into you know, create a, a Deus Ex Maxina, Maxina kind of situation with her because, you know, being able to change shape all the time and, you know, come to the rescue of whatever, you know, horrible situation that they're in. Uh, I understand you just don't want to go to that well too many times. However, if there was ever an opportunity to try to do something to stop this men- menace, you know, really, Maya, this is the time. And don't tell me that that, sh- you know, that tiny little catalog of, of creatures that's in your, you know, in, in your, your, your mental library is all that you've got going for you. Because I know that's not true. Right, right. She's got a brain that's better than everyone else on Alpha, for starters, which is and, her best and weapon. I, right, and I know that there are creatures that will be coming up that are, uh, that she will turn into that are quite formidable. There's also There's also the question of, you know, we see her try to turn into that creature. We see her turn into other creatures that that creature beats up. Later on, Maya says something to the effect, Oh, I've tried, Tony, I've tried. And he goes, wait a minute, try changing into that way. It's like, yeah. why would you change into something that is its exact equal? Uh, probably <clears throat> thinking that at least this way there's something that might stall it. What about a big Not elephant? Could you fit a big elephant in there? Yes. Some of those corridors are quite big. Might be a little tight on the roof there, but, you know, what what would that creature do? Could it pick an elephant up? Could the elephant, you know, butt it over? I mean, she can turn into a tiger. She must have figured out an elephant from somewhere. I, I, I you know, can she alter the creature that she's seen? In That's words, what I was wondering. You know, I, I can change into this exact copy of, of Dr. Russell or... I can change into an exact copy of Dr. Russell, 10% bigger, which is just a terrifying concept. Well, I, I know that there is a, an episode coming up fairly soon, and you, you, you posed the, the question about the recycling of costumes, possibly. 
and the the robot will be recycled uh, uh, very very soon. And the only thing to oh. set it off, I'm not going to say what it is visually know, that sets it off. It is. I know, I know but, exactly which one you're talking about. The yeah, I know. So, which but but the, the the but the the fact remains is she is able to turn into something that is very much like it because it's the same freaking costume, essentially with slightly different dressing, and therefore she should have been able to turn into something that could have stopped or at least. Been could have served as a some sort of stalemate against the robot, but no. And and I and I gotta believe that there's other creatures that can be just as uh, formidable against a threat like that. Mm. Yeah. So this thing comes down to Alpha, and it's rampaging around, and it turns out it's a robot. Why is it disguised as a life form? I have no idea. That's a really good question. And when they get close to it at one point, I don't know if you noticed this. <laughs> I did, because, of course, I knew it was a robot going into the episode, because I remember that much about it. Um, so I was kind of thinking in terms of, are there any tells that this is a robot? And the fact that it's drooling at one point, there's actually drool. <laughs> I'm trying to up remember. On its lip. Yeah. I'm like, why would you make a robot that drools like a savage beast. Well, when you are a disembodied voice that laughs maniacally, why not? Yes, we do have the return of the laughs maniacally aliens. <laughs> so, I take that as kind of a I take that as kind of a sign of cruelty. Mm. For want of a better word. In other words, if you're laughing maniacally at the futile gestures of the poor little alphans trying to escape, you, you, are, you are holding them in complete contempt, right? That, that, mm. seems, that seems reasonable. But at the same time, then why do you keep going on about, you know, I, I, I don't want you to cause you any pain. I don't, you know, I, I, I want you to die peaceably. Not, it, it, it kind of was a little... I would have been happier if the alien is just like, we're going to kill you, sorry. But uh, I don't care if you suffer or not, frankly. Uh, one or the other. Um, speaking of which, they did have that wonderful little line, and I don't know that I got it quoted exactly right, but sarcasm in your present circumstances is hardly a defense. When Tony snarks off to the cloud... Oh, God, yes. <laughs> I actually, I laughed out loud when yeah. I was like, But okay. you, laughed, you laughed at the joke, not with the joke. True. <laughs> That's true, but it's still, I was. It's painful. <laughs> but everything about that freaking cloud is painful. Yes. So let's talk about, let's talk about Moonbase Alpha's design of their life support system. Okay. What's the thingy? What's the core? What is that? Is that like the HEPA filter? <laughs> what, 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 what is that one little corey thing that they take out and put back in that is, quote unquote, the life support system? The thing that the alien need. I need that. That, that, that little thing right there. You know, when he first showed up and he said, I need your life support system, I'm thinking, what, he has to take the whole, you know, yeah, the, the whole, whole section mechanism. of Alpha? Exactly. That was my first thought. I didn't realize there was going to be this element in a tube. 
which I'm just going to say, if I were building a moon base, I think it's, I think it's very nice that, that they have green lights when it's in and two red lights when it's not in place, since that's the thing that's keeping you all alive. But I'm kind of thinking maybe I'd have a catch on it or something, you know, or maybe just tape to hold it in place. Because it, it, it looks like, you know, maybe a little moonquake or something. And that thing could just go shooting out across the room the way it is. And, yeah, couldn't they, couldn't, couldn't they have come up with something to call it? We need the deuterium core from your life support system. Done. Solved. But they don't. They keep calling it, he wants our life support system. Right, I'm liking it less as I go. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. But I was enjoying it. But I was enjoying it when I was watching it. Did you notice Alpha went down five degrees instantly? Yeah. So, but we now know this. 20 is the standard temperature. 20 Celsius, 68 Fahrenheit. Is that a little cool? Uh, isn't that about, uh, isn't that about what Richard Nixon wanted us all to keep our thermostats at back in the 70s during the energy crisis? That's a little cool. Well, I agree that it's a little cool, and, and, but, not trying to say it's a little cool, um... But, you know, if you live somewhere where it's hideously cold, I'm putting 65, 68 <clears throat> to save energy, which, let's face it, Alpha needs to save energy. Right. So this could be the thing that went, why they put jackets on. Because that's, a, I mean, that is literally exactly, I, rem, I remember that. I remember that day when Nixon got on the air and came out and said, I'm setting the thermostat here in the White House, which I'm sure they put a fake thermostat on the wall in the White House so he could demonstrate that. Um, if I'm remembering that correctly. But, you know, I think he was wearing a sweater. I think that was the whole point. You know, just put on a sweater. Keep the temperature down, conserve a little energy, wear a sweater when you're at home. And so that's exactly what they're doing on Alpha. Just, uh, they did that during Black Sun. Yes. Yes, they did. And I think oh, in but wait, second that's season, last... they all went to... That's been, last year. But in second season, they've gone... Everyone's wearing jackets now, pretty much. Oh, that's true, yeah. So, you know, that's part of... That could just be one of those things like... You know something? We all have jackets. Let's put them on and crank the thermostat down a little bit to keep us keep us going. All right. Well, I guess we have to. I have. We have to take a look at this moment. Psycon is my favorite planet. Oh. And then, which. <clears throat> so we had that moment with Helena and John a while back where mm -hmm. they couldn't. They couldn't say it. They couldn't say the words they needed to say. And here, Tony, which honestly, that's, I, 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 I tell you the truth that, you know, when I, uh, my wife is from Taiwan, just for listeners sake, and it would never have occurred to me that instead of saying, I love you to her, for me to say, Taiwan is my favorite country. Yeah. Now, and just in case the 50 cent army from the Chinese Communist Party is out there and they're going to start downplaying and say, Taiwan is not a country. Suck it, people. Um... <laughs> if we have any listeners in China, we just lost them all. Anyhow, but the point is, that was a stupid line, and, but Maya got it. And they, you know, have a passionate kiss, and they actually say the words. They actually say it. I finally, finally. I did like, you know something? It was worth it to get to that point. Yeah. It was worth it to get to that point with Tony and Maya. We can't do that with John and Helena, but doggone it, at least we've got there with Tony and Maya. And I am so pleased that they didn't have that scene at the end where they're in medical center. And oh, wait, they did have that scene at the end in medical center. Damn it. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Tony. 
I had forgotten that scene. Really? I had I had forgotten that scene. But as soon as as soon as Tony goes, well, you know, guy under pressure, I'm like, I started screaming at the TV. No, Tony, don't do it, you idiot. You idiot, don't do it, don't do it, stop. He did it. He did it. He backpedaled and tried to make it sound like it was a, a, a lot. And that's bad enough because there we are. Once again, Tony is a 14-year-old adolescent boy. Mm. He does yeah. not know how to express his emotions. He mm. does not know when to, you know, commit. Basically, that's what it is. It's a failure to commit here, right? He's like, oh, I better, I better walk that one back a little bit. I, I, you know, guy says strange things under pressure. And, you know, Maya was being very nice to him. At this point, she was bringing him yeah. stuff, and she was, you know, visiting him in sick bay, and he says that crap, and she, she leaves in a huff, and rightly so. Mm-hmm. Should have turned into one of those creatures and given him a great big smack upside the head and another broken arm, but she didn't. She walks out the door, and and you would think it couldn't get any worse, but you would be wrong, because what does he say when she gets in a huff and walks out the door? Well, how about that? She's really crazy she, she about, crazy about me. me. You asshole. You sophomore twit. <laughs> you you complete asshole, and I'm not going to bleep that out. No, and it's such an egotistical thing for him to say. Yes. It's just like he is the center of the universe when he blurts that line out. And he knows now, let's say he's reading that situation correctly, which he is in a way. He's reading it correctly because she told him that back in the corridor when they were, you know, thinking they were going to die. There's no reason to believe that was a fake, that she's crazy about him. Mm-hmm. And it's like he's surprised at that point. Yeah. And still well, that, he doesn't that, ha- and still that, he doesn't have regrets for what he just did. No, that just goes to prove how unbelievably thick he is. I Speaking of listeners' comments, somebody somebody posted again, sorry people. <laughs> I'm I'm I barely can remember Ben's name or my own. So I mean for, forgive me for not knowing who said a comment and not having it right in front of me. But they made a comment about um the the supposed direction that Fred Freiberger had made to take this show to have more humanity in it. And it is it is stuff like this that convinces me that if that's Fred Freiberger's definition of more human stories, then Fred Freiberger has never met a human. Because hmm. th- 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 that these are these are trite cliche stereotypes. Oh. <sighs> Ruined the one good moment in this episode. I mean, the one undeniably good moment in this episode. You know, there were little things along the way. Tony having having agency, except when he didn't. Tony trying to talk to the creature instead of killing it first off the bat. You know, Tony coming up with plans and executing them that might have worked but didn't because the deck was stacked against him. All of those things were little bright points and all of them got smacked down. But the brightest, greatest of them all was the fact that Tony and Maya finally stopped dancing around this stupid, stupid dance that they're doing. And, and then they bust that up too. I know it's episodic television, but really, that reset button is too, one reset too far. Hmm. Anyway. All right. Um, I don't have anything else. You've hit on all the major points. Seriously, I mean, this episode is just—it's—it's it's an egregious uh, waste of my time. It, it's definitely a filler episode. 
Totally. It's definitely a filler episode, and it's probably probably was a bottle episode. You know, didn't need to didn't need to develop much in the way of special effects. Um, just just used the standing alpha right, corridors. Right. Um, where was everyone? I mean, like, they, they certainly weren't all in sickbay. Yes, thank you. There's 311 people on Alpha when they left Earth. And let's say they've killed off, I don't know, 10, 15 people. Um, you know, even if they've killed off 20. I don't think they've killed off 20. Because they, they aren't knocking off one per episode. Although they did, they did kill three in this episode. Um, they're not all in Medical Center. Because it's no, got about not. six beds. Right. And, vert, and, you know, except for the few people that you've already mentioned who are still... Who's all together? Everybody is is hit with this. Pretty much, pretty much. You know, at first it sounded like there were a few more people than just that, but as the story goes on, it becomes more and more apparent that there just is nobody else for Tony to call on. Because couldn't he have called on for something? I mean, we've got somebody in the secretarial pool that's still all right. All right, get her down here, <laughs> right? Any, I need bodies, something, mm. anything. But they're not there, and and if they're in their cabins. How is Helena making the round? Well, before Tony Helena make the rounds. Wait a minute. Yeah, I mean it. It seemed like it seemed like Koenig and the others were not just in bed. They were hooked up to monitors and they were being treated. Well, they were incapacitated. And and sure, maybe they hauled everyone back to their quarter quarters and put them in bed. But are they monitoring them? Are, is somebody taking care of them? It just. Nah. 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 Um, I don't know what the next episode of Space 1999 is, but I'll post it on oh, Facebook at some point. Good heavens. Oh, shoot. <laughs> I, think I, I could, could look it up. Well, let me see. We, we, okay, I have a funny feeling it is a matter of balance. Matter of balance. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. I don't remember that one. I mean, I remember, I remember visuals from it, but I don't remember that story. But I have a feeling I don't remember good things anyway. <laughs> but I will, I will definitely post that on Facebook uh, a week before the episode comes out, so you'll have a chance to watch the episode, listeners, so that you can enjoy the experience along with us. Yes, because misery loves company. <laughs> ben, thank you for joining oh, me. Oh, please. <laughs> And listeners, I do hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. Cheers. Fusion Patrol is a Lone Locust production. Like us? Please consider becoming our sponsor at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. We'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review on iTunes. Stop by and visit us at our website, fusionpatrol.com. Search for us on Facebook under Fusion Patrol. Check out our Twitter handle at Fusion Patrol. Or just send us an email at feedback at fusionpatrol.com. Please come join the conversation. Our music is Fight the Future by Amberwolf.